This is Carrion Johnson, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. I am Alex Dunlap here with Byron Lambert. Happy to be back on the podcast today after a few weeks off. We've been doing a bunch behind the scenes over at Roster Watch. And if you're a pro member, you've seen everything that's been going up on your downloads page from the offensive line rankings to the busts and monsters distribution tools to the updated cheat sheets we're now to our 16th (laughs) update of the ppr cheat sheet now version 3.0 available at roster watch the two qb superflex version 1.0 we will have the standard and 0.5 ppr ultimate draft cheat sheets available before october or i'm sorry before august 1st we're getting ready for the training camp tour we have an exciting new podcast and radio schedule that we're going to be announcing on Twitter soon. A lot of exciting things happening. We've just had to be kind of behind the scenes working on it. So with all that said, uh, we're into training camps now and it's time to step back on it. So expect the podcast to be back uh, with the same frequency as before and the same offer as before. Once we get up to to 400 five-star rating and reviews on apple podcast we're going to be giving away free pro memberships at rosterwatch.com so if you like the podcast you wanted to support us uh, you wanted to be on with greater frequency during the preseason during the training camp tour during the nfl season uh, make sure you give us a rating and review and the, the best way to support us is of course getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com with all of that said byron we should also mention to them, Byron, that they should leave their their, twi- their tw- Twitter handle in the review, <laughs> so so we know who they are uh, if they do get selected and we get a hold of them. With that said, Byron, what the hell's going on, brother? Alex, you and I are both used to a Texas summer that just gradually gets hotter as summer goes on. Man, I'm I'm not used to this deal out here in Florida where it actually starts to cool down a little bit here in July and heading into August with a lot more cloud cover and stuff, man, it was the hottest back in May or June. So, uh, definitely getting a lot of relief there, man. And then just wanted to recap for the listeners, uh, what I view as some very important offensive line information heading into the season, as well as some of the guys right now, uh, cross fantasy drafts that are exhibiting the highest level of variance as to where they're being drafted. I think a lot of these guys are uh, controversial figures that are uh, certainly very compelling subject matter. Yeah, well, I think that's great. Let's get some news and notes, though, from around the league before we talk about that. Definitely, I think we talked some about offensive lines, some of the better offensive lines from our rankings on the SiriusXM show on Sunday. But, yeah, there are definitely some points there that I'd like to, you know, if not recap, even even expand upon here in the podcast where we, where we have a little bit more time 
And then, yeah, those various candidates will be good to go over as well. But training camps are on. What's the news and notes from around the league? Well, I found the most compelling nugget today to be the narrative about Theo Riddick potentially being on the roster bubble for the Lions. I mean, it feels like this has been years in the making, of course. I mean, we've thought Theo Riddick was on the roster bubble for for years now. But if you look at it, Alex, the reason this is compelling is because Carrion Johnson, the standout rookie from last season, if you look behind him on the depth chart, it's guys like Theo Riddick, Ty Johnson, C.J. Anderson, Zach Zinner, and Mark Thompson. And while we got some mixed signals at the NFL Combine from Lions Brass about kind of the ceiling and the upside for carry on Johnson's usage heading in here into year two. I mean, you always are the one who says actions speak louder than words. And boy, this, this cupboard appears barren behind carry on Johnson in Detroit. Yeah. Well, I, I hate Theo Riddick. I, I hate Zach Zinner. I hate CJ. I hate CJ Anderson even more after all the money he cost me in playoff DFS last year. I think that, yeah, this definitely helps carry on Johnson if it's the case. It def- Do you know who else it helps, man, is Ty, is, is Ty Johnson, who was a combine snub. I actually had him ranked. I mean, I had him ranked in front of Bruce Anderson. I had him ranked in front of uh, Divine Zigbo, James Williams. I basically had him tied with, like, Benny Snell and that Miles Gaskin, Benny Snell, sort of Devin Singletary sort of tier. I mean, you gotta you got to remember that. You know, he was he was really good at really good at 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 Maryland. Um, he reminded me a lot of Cyrus, a uh, little bit of Cyrus Gray, if if you if you remember him at all from Texas A and M. Five ten, two hundred ten pounds. He ran a four four forty at his uh, pro day, and the only thing that you worry about with him a little bit is no receiving. Uh, there at Maryland in his last season, only a three percent market share of the receptions. But other than that, pretty, uh, pretty productive guy. And he was the dude who I just I, I know what you know. Texas has faced Maryland in their season opener for the last two years, and it was you know Ty Johnson and DJ Moore were the two players you can look back and say, Jesus man, those guys just kicked Texas's ass. So uh, I've always kind of liked Ty Johnson. I think it's kind of interesting for him, but clearly we're burying the lead. This is probably good for carry on. I just worry that, you know, carry on Johnson ever since he was like, ever since he was, even before he got drafted, he said he wanted to be a committee back. He got drafted. He was a committee back. It looks like it's like, God damn it. What's it going to take to give this guy the football some more, you know, Whenever the Lions brought in Daryl Bevel as their offensive coordinator, I said, you know what? This backward-ass, you know, shit sandwich of a of a offense that Matt Patricia is trying to put together. Can you believe that Matt Patricia, what is he, what is his job by profession? Is he an astrophysicist? Is he something like that? What is, what is he? Is he a neuroscientist? I wasn't aware of yeah, no, there's those there, type of credentials. You no, know, that's it's um, he chose coaching over 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 rocket science is what it is what it was. Um, so but, he relies on math. I just he fucking bro. I, I don't know what he, he relies on some cockamamie shit that he does with that pencil that's stuck in his in his head. Matt Patricia's a clown. 
And what he's trying to do with that team, it's clownish, dude. He's one of the worst coaches in the league, and I think he's going to get fired after this year. But anyway, they bring in Daryl Bevel, run-heavy coach, and it just still seems like after everything you've said, no, we want to keep carry on fresh. We don't want to use him all the, all the same way. So it's like it's just like with this stuff, like we always say, man, like there, sometimes you got to weigh all kinds of different things. You have to, you have to say like, well – the efficiency might come down, but there's going to be more volume and the coaching staff is not as good, but the offensive line is better and blah, blah. I just, I feel like with carry on, there's all sorts of confounding forces sort of pulling at each other to say like, all right, well, should I get on board? Should I, should I, should I not? I mean, does this move the needle for him with you at all? Like the fact about Theo Riddick, I mean, he, it's not like he hasn't made the team and it's also not, you know, it isn't like Theo Riddick is a player that has a redundant skill set to carry on. Those are two very different players. So it's not like Theo Riddick would be biting into much of what he did unless they were expecting a higher receiving role out of uh, carry on and more of a three down sort of role this year, which is what they've told us publicly that they are not planning for. With that said, you know, it's the same thing you talked about earlier. We can't we can't rely on what these idiots say, especially not in Detroit. Safe to say we haven't been blown away by general manager Bob Quinn either. You know, the the way this shapes up from my perspective is just carry on is clearly the lead, uncontested lead back of the Detroit Lions. But I feel very comfortable with the concept that he's really a 15 to 20 touch guy if optimized, you know, you know, from uh, from the way that that team looks at it, right? So still some type would you, of... Would you rather own on Johnson or his teammate Kenny Galladay in PPR leagues? Well, I mean, where I, was, where I was going with that is at this point, I think most of that is baked in uh, to Carrion's ADP, but he's a really nice player there. I'd rather have on Johnson. So would you rather have on than like Chris Godwin or Julian Edelman or Tyler Lockett or any of those guys? Yes. In a vacuum, what? All right, what about Josh Jacobs? Yeah, I think that's a fifty-fifty, and that's a fifty-fifty. And I believe when I took a poll of that on Twitter, probably just because of familiarity and some level of certainty, Carry On Johnson actually prevailed in that poll. Let me see. I just want to look at where the PPR. Uh, Josh, I mean, Josh Jacobs is RB nineteen. I mean, RB18, carry on is RB19. I'm going to move carry on up, and ver- I'm going to make version 3.1 of the cheat sheet. That'll just be, um, since I just did the whole redo of this, where I pulled in the, the rankings from uh, ESPN and from Yahoo, which is all, always, that always reshapes it big time, Byron, because you know that the order of those players in the draft room that people are drafting out of, that matters. Right. So whenever I, whenever I brought those guys in uh, to the cheat sheet and for people who don't know you know, the, what the cheat sheet is, it, it's not rankings. It's just what it is. It's a tool to help you leverage versus ADP and, and make the best decision at every possible term while also guaranteeing you a balanced roster. It's 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 really like a the cheat sheet's sort of like a puzzle, at least putting it together is like a like a puzzle. But um, I think structurally. It really changed a lot from 2.6 to uh, to version 3.0. That's why I made it 3.0 instead of version 2.7 to kind of say it was something new. And with those structural changes, I think in 3.1, I'm just going to make this tweak to get on Johnson up. Of course, I'm going to run some tests, but that would give you the decision of on Johnson, Kenny Galladay, or Patrick Mahomes and have him priced down to where you would be taking that player – 
right around, uh, you know, what do you think? Of, what do you think of carry on Johnson and pick three point zero seven? The fine pick. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, if if we're fine with the mid to late third on carry on Johnson. I think that it's fine to get him up into this area. And if we're just talking in a vacuum, he and Josh Jacobs are sort of valued about the same. I think the 3-4 turn is, is, is just fine for both of those guys. Uh, certainly, if I'm banking on something uh, – I'm sorry, not the 3-4 not the, not the turn. Yeah, the 3-4 the – what did I say? 40, pick 42? Hold on. 3.07. Did I say 3.07? Okay, I'm sorry. What I meant was pick – so if you like him at 3.07, what I actually meant to say was more like I – d- I did the math wrong in my head. I'm talking more like f- – so pick 40 pick forty through 42. So that's actually more like 4.04. 4.04. So you're, you're still fine with him there, right? I mean, of course, if you're fine with him at 3.07. Should, do, you, do you want his – would you like him up higher than that? I mean, using the draft guide over at rosterwatch.com, I mean, you can see that Carrion Johnson has a middle of the road uh, offensive line, which is more than sufficient for a runner of his skill set. And he's also a guy who grades out pretty well on the boom bust tool, at least based on his production last year. So, I mean, well, here's the I, thing, if somebody Byron, told me like- that they were so hot for Carrion Johnson that they liked him more than. Devontae Freeman, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, or even Marlon Mack. I wouldn't fault them for that. Well, I'm glad that you brought those guys up because here's the thing. It's like it feels like there is a tier that Marlon Mack, Devontae Freeman, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones. Um, Aaron Jones could probably be higher. and you know, I'm not necessarily putting them in that order, right? But Josh Jacobs, on Johnson, it seems like all those guys are sort of in that sort of same tier where you can be hopeful if you go wide receiver, wide receiver at the one, two turn, coming back to the three, four turn, you can, you're basically guaranteed in a 12 team. Now in a 14 team league, I've tried it. It's not quite the same, but in a 12 team league, you're pretty much guaranteed to get two of those guys. It's, it's, it's usually Devonte Freeman and uh, Derek Henry or, or Josh Jacobs. Carry on Johnson's normally gone. Um, Aaron Jones is usually gone. Carry on is, you know, technically, I don't know if he's usually gone or not because I haven't had him slotted in this area, so I'll, I'll have to run some tests. But if we were to move this group up, structurally make a little change here to get rid of this tier and just make it be where the second tier of running backs just goes like 15 deep with the, you know, the Le'Veons, the Mixons, the Connors, um, the Damian Williams, the Dalvins, you know, Gurley's in there now. Melvin Gordon with his holdout now is in there. And then you get to like a little sub-tier of the Fournette and the Chubb and guys like that. If we think that Marlon Mack, Devontae Freeman, Aaron Jones, uh, Derrick Henry, Carrion, Jacobs, if they belong in that same sort of sub-tier, I can move them all up. And then that – I guess the best way to ask you this is would the worst of those running backs, the last one that you would pick, would you rather have that guy or Kenny Galladay? Very close call. It's a natural decision point. Well, I, might, right, let me ask you, I, this I think a, I tend to lean I think towards one of the running, the backs. running back there. Right. I tend I to lean too. towards the running back all there. Right, all right, all right. So, so let me ask you this. That's, that, that's that same group. And again, no, no order, but just this group, okay? 
um, because the order the order will be sorted out by ADP, and that's like the magic of the sheep. So, but all right. So Derrick Henry, Devontae Freeman, Marlon Mack, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, on Johnson. The worst, the, the the guy you like least out of those guys, or Stephon Diggs. Yeah, Diggs actually a guy who grades out maybe better than you would imagine on the boom bust tool over at rosterwatch.com in the draft guide for our pro subscribers. What, what's his, what is his bust rate in PPR? I just have an overall grade of him here in my spreadsheet where he's one of the guys that had, you know, he has, he, he performs above average, uh, kind of across the board there I have it pull, on I, that I, sheet. I, I, I have it pulled up. Let me just go look and see. Yeah, he has a good bust. He had, uh, only a twenty-five percent bust rate in PPR, which is one of the better ones. I mean, that that's as good as Juju. It's as good as Mike Evans. I mean, that, that's that's actually that that's actually kind of surprising to me. It surprised kind of surprising. me as well. But I mean, it kind of doesn't, right? Because we're the original Stefan Diggs truthers. I mean, so, that's true as so well. Structure, so structurally, would you like the would you like Stefan Diggs more than the the, the the runner you like least out of that group? Which no, we know Jacobs. who Stefan Diggs is. So I mean, he's I like him. I mean, again, another natural decision point. I think we're right in a things are dialed in, Alex. We're okay. right, right ballpark there. Should and then just staying here on the cheat sheet. I know I'm not even sure that this is a good this is good podcast material for anybody, but hopefully it takes behind the curtain of how we do this. So I I made that move here on three point one. Let me just. Um, should Patrick, once you get down to, you're thinking about Josh Jacobs and Stephon Diggs, should Patrick Mahomes come into the equation around there? Or do you think I mean, after that, whenever you're looking at no, Kenny Galladay, man. that's the oh, time man. when you say like, I don't think, I don't think, you know, at this point now that I'm looking at a Kenny Galladay, a Chris Godwin, you know, a Tyler Lockett or somebody like that, at that point, maybe I could pivot over to a quarterback at this time. That's what makes sense to me. It seems like that that's a pinch point right there to where I could pivot to a different position after after that group of running backs ends. And I feel like the, the, the drop-off from, like, this is a big drop-off from the guys who, like, whenever we get down to, like, the Amari Coopers and the A.J. Greens and the T.Y. Hiltons and the Thielens and the Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Stephon Diggs, after that, it's like, there's a drop, dude. It's still, like, after Diggs, it goes to the guys like Godwin and Edelman and Lockett. And Galladay and DJ Moore and stuff. So I think maybe once we get to that drop off right there, that's exactly where Patrick Mahomes goes. And it prices Patrick Mahomes in as a dude who we're only going to take at around pick, uh, at, like as a mid fourth round pick. More like pick 4.06. Hey, man, I'm all in on Patrick Mahomes right before that. Well, I just I just don't think from a roster makeup standpoint it's gonna be it's gonna be viable this year to I don't think teams that are who are taking Patrick Mahomes in the third round I don't think the teams are gonna be building the the right way just simply because like look at the drop off of the running back position after all those guys we talked about unless you you're sure you can grab Mark Ingram you're gonna be stuck with your you're you're gonna be stuck with a running back three and possibly a running back two being like a James White, a David Montgomery, a Philip Lindsay, a Sony Michelle, a Chris Carson. I just can't stand for that. I want two and hopefully three of my runners to come out of these initial first twenty. 
I get it. I get it. I get it. We're just we're talking about a nuclear weapon QB one league winner with Patrick Mahomes. I get it. And here's the point. I think more to your point is that anywhere in that area, you're not going to get him. He's going to be long gone. So the construct may call for him to be in the ballpark that you're talking about uh, a little bit, a little bit lower. I, I like him a little more aggressively, but I expect his ADP to skyrocket through the ceiling. Uh, here globally, once we start across. taking into account all the home leagues, like once oh, the ADP data starts coming are in, are you it's kidding like, me? Well, look, the fact is, we're not going to be able to get Patrick Mahomes. If people yeah, are deciding, so bet- if people are deciding between Damian Williams and Juju Smith-Schuster and Patrick Mahomes, we're just not going to fucking get the guy. You just, Which you is can't typical, get him. typical for us, right? Typical yeah. for us. doesn't mean we're not bullish. It means, I mean, he he belongs way higher on the sheet than any quarterback in years past. But the fact is is still not going to compete with his ADP. So it's almost like, are you in on Mahomes? Or are you out on Mahomes? And you decide that. And then if you're out on him, it really doesn't even matter where he's at on the sheet at that point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the cheat sheet isn't rankings. People don't understand. This is sometimes, a, this is some, sometimes you get into a draft, Alex, with experts are very competitive where there's a big quarterback slide. So maybe you can have them in – in the yeah, range. you can have him in some of those. Like I mean, in the it, it's it, like in some of these drafts that I've done recently. It, I mean, I did the draft in the pros versus Joes, the best ball draft that Patrick Mahomes didn't go until round four. I didn't take him, but he didn't go until round four. In a vacuum, I'm taking Mahomes over every one of those running backs, though. Over which ones? The that, ones that I just said, the Marlon Max and the Freemans discuss. and the Henrys and stuff. You're yep. taking over Derrick Henry. Sure am. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. No way. I just, I, I've done enough of these simulations to know that the roster construction just hurts way too bad, and I'm left wanting way too bad at the running back position. I, and, and, putting way too, and, and it leaves me putting way too many eggs in, in, in the Mark Ingram basket as a It's because back. we're not getting enough of Kalen Balaj late, especially in even. In what do you mean? We're getting a ton of Kalen Balaj late. I never see him in the mocks you're tweeting out, only in a small percentage. I expect to see him in almost every one of those when I pull those. <laughs> It's, it's dude. We have Kalen. We have Kalen Balaj right fuck on the sheet sheet ahead of fucking Jarek McKinnon, Lashawn McCoy, Royce Freeman, Damian Harris, and Edo Smith. I mean, how much higher do you? I, I, you can't put you can't put Kalen Balaj up ahead of like Austin Eckler or Jalen Samuels or Tevin Coleman or any of these guys. You just, you can't do it. He's he's literally as high up as he can he, as he can as a backup running back and for a shitty football team could ever be. He's li- like I literally get him every time in the fourteenth round. It's he either him or oppor- Traquan Smith. It's either he him has or the opportunity Smith. to become a very special back this season. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. You saying that we're not getting enough Kalen Balaj is fucking cockamamie. We're getting a ton of Kalen Balaj, a ton of Jalen Samuels. It's just there, there's certain these there's got there guys you just can't, I cannot move Kalen Balaj in, in, in front of the people who are currently ahead of him. It's just you can't do it. It's like it's already weird the guys who he's in front of. You know, another thing we've done a lot of over the years that I kind of like to use as a uh, quality control that's always interesting uh, is one of my last thoughts. How, how weird is it to say that the reason – I'm like you find yourself in running back purgatory if you do this and you say, well, that's because you're not getting Kalen Balazs. It's like that's, you're still in running back fucking purgatory. Kalen Balazs doesn't simply like answer the question like that. Not in my opinion. Yeah, well, problem I, I, solved. Kalen Balaz. Yeah, you sound like a fucking trash man. What about your quality control? 
Oh, it's just another behind the curtain thing, man. You know, one thing that's always interesting to go back and look at, you referenced it a little earlier, is we've built so many of these cheat sheets over the years now that when you're finished with the current year's version, you can always kind of go back and look at what the final construct of the previous year's versions were just to see if there's any trends that were there or adjustments that you might consider based on the historical evolution of the cheat sheet and just the way that these positions have fallen, how things have changed. I mean, wide receivers were up pretty high, even on a standard sheet uh, just a few years ago, man. But uh, all, all pretty interesting. You want to get into some of these high-variance ADP yeah. uh, fantasy yeah. players, Alex, and yes. some of these offensive line uh, sure. narratives we wanted to discuss? Yeah. The 2019 Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy football players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Rosterwatch cheat sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Rosterwatch cheat sheet. An expert quality draft is guaranteed. It's magical, it's mystical, it's mythical! The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, only at rosterwatch.com. All right, well, quickly, let's just hop into the offensive line really quickly. Um, look, there was a group of NFL teams at the end of last season that had a bad rap uh, for poor offensive line performance. Uh, and there was a handful of those teams that addressed those needs aggressively in the NFL draft. Now I know Alex thinks that some of the teams drafted really good players and some of the teams, even though they addressed attempted to address the need, maybe didn't address it with players that uh, we coveted, you know, across the offensive line. I know Alex had some risers and some fallers uh, that made big moves from last year's offensive line tool to this year, offensive line tool. So I just kind of wanted to run through those really quickly, Alex, Uh, you know, the two teams, uh, th- there were three teams that had really pitiful offensive lines uh, last season uh, that were uh, seemed to be major demand that they addressed. That was the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and the Houston Texans, correct? Well, the Cardinals were one of those, right? Cardinals, 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 Cardinals. Yeah, for sure. The Cardinals, and some people will tell you that the Vikings – uh, were yeah. in that batch as well, right? So what we saw is we saw the, the Cardinals completely punt uh, on the offensive line in the NFL draft and really mostly in free agency. I know Alex has said that he thinks schematically it may not really matter there. I'm totally on board with uh, your love uh, with Kyler Murray. There's so much to like about that situation. I actually think a bad offensive line helps Kyler Murray in fantasy this season. He's going to have to run around uh, so damn much. He's, there. he's also he's also going to have to trust his initial reads and get the ball out really fast. And that's where Kyler's best, man. It's where Kyler's best. It's like I used to say about Ben Roethlisberger. I was like, uh, people would sometimes say like, I'm not going to play Big Ben whenever he's he's banged up like this. I'm like, I, I, I say, are you, are you kidding me? Look at the splits in these games. Wherever Big Ben can't can't do the you know can't do the improvising to where it's like his 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 his, that signature mobility of his when whatever it was compromised it was like that dude dialed in more he got the ball out real quick 
I mean, this is an offense where they do, they get the ball out very quick. They they have wide splits along the offensive line, two and a half, three foot splits. Go back and watch the Texas Tech games. Go back and watch any of these. Go back and watch the the old A and M games. Any of this stuff that's part of Cliff Kingsbury's coaching tree. Wide offensive line splits. Spread the defense out. Get the ball out quick. Don't put too much on the quarterback's plate. Don't put too many tough decisions on him. It's like I don't think it helps Kyler Murray. I don't think a bad offensive line, you know in theory, ever helps anybody. But I just I think it's it's large largely mitigated, right? Just largely, largely mitigated by the way that that offense is constructed and the way it works. And to your point, not that I think it helps them, but it forces them to do what they're good at doing anyway, which is, you know, let, but, but the quarterback be decisive, let him get the football out, keep this thing cranking, get, you know, pick up, you know, pick up these nice gains on first and second down, and let's move the football down the field. Let's run a whole bunch of plays. All right, well, the other teams that we brought this in with uh, on this offensive line conversation. And with, and with that said, let's just, let's just say Arizona Cardinals, they actually got worse on the offensive line. They moved from the number 28 projected offensive line last season coming into the year to the number 29 on our current projections up for pro subscribers at Roster Watch this season. Alex, I know the Houston Texans were one of the teams that addressed this need aggressively in the NFL draft, but with players that you didn't necessarily appreciate all that much in Titus Howard – and Max Sharping, how much did the Houston Texans, one of the most pathetic and abysmal offensive lines in all of football last year, improve themselves uh, heading into the 2019 season? Are, are you projecting Max Sharping to start? I mean, he wasn't one of our guys at the senior. I believe yeah. he was a senior bowler, and he just he, – he, I made – I had a deep, deep list of impressive offensive linemen. I mean, again, that was one of the big stories of this NFL draft crop was – just the the quality of depth and talent across the offensive line available in this draft class from top to bottom. And, you know, there was a lot of players that made a big impact uh, or a big impression on me during the week of the senior bowl. And Sharping had a decent week, but he wasn't one of my top guys. Yeah. Me, me either. Um, I just, I don't know. Uh, and you know, at the right tackle, do you think that, do you think that Titus Howard is going to come, he's going to come in and immediately start? Because they do also have Chantrell Henderson. They brought they brought in uh, Matt Matt Khalil too. Um, they are, they still don't know. So I just kind of have that as a mishmash of all those guys. You know, I figured that all of them are probably. I, I don't want to use our our rating scale here, but all these guys are basically guys that at this point, at least in Khalil's career, and then those two players. You know, I like Titus Howard long term i think he's going to be really good long term maybe they're going to be happy that the eagles jumped up and sniped them for andre dillard long term because i think that titus howard maybe has the skill set to be you know dominant in the run game and maybe be a good pass protector as well which could you know they should they certainly wouldn't mind having another Dwayne brown around there and maybe maybe titus howard could eventually be that but he's not going to be that as a rookie i I promise anybody listening to this he's he's not so um we have to say that that's a sub-replacement level kind of grade on that. Julian Davenport, Julian Davenport at the left tackle, we told you guys last year after his senior bowl, like that guy is not going to be any good, uh, to, at least to, to start at the NFL level. They, they have At the two offensive tackles, if they do bring up the young guys, it'll be Davenport and Howard, and those are two very, very de- developmental tackle prospects. And then inside, their best player, the best player on the offensive line is Nick Martin at center. I think out of those two guard spots, it's Fulton and Kelamente, both dudes who we have, I mean, 
both guys that we have, you know, pretty pretty bad scouting grades on. And I always go and I, I compare our grades to with, you know, the grades that PFF does, the stuff that Sports Info Solutions has for the hurries allowed, stuff like that, pressures allowed. And both of those guys grade out absolutely miserably. We might have them ranked. We we might have Zach Fulton ranked a little bit too high at a three point nine, just barely, barely, barely sub replacement level. Like he 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 could be very much sub replacement level. So. Um, yeah, it's the second worst offensive line right now in the NFL. With that being said, you know, Deshaun Watson's op- operated behind a bad offensive line during his whole NFL career and has been, you know, absolutely dynamic. So um, I'm not sure how much worry we really, you know. And so we have. Like, I mean, I mean, how, how worried can you, how worried can you really be? It seems like he's managed to mitigate that just by being such a goat. Fair to mention that, some evaluators were really high on Titus Howard uh, through the NFL draft process. But I, but but I think that this I, is developmental. I, I like I'm say, saying, I think eventually he could be really good. Yeah. I, I like him worlds better than I like Julian Davenport. Yes. But I don't think I, he's going to be ready this year. Tend to agree. A developmental guy in Titus Howard there with the Texans. The Minnesota Vikings, another team that got aggressive uh, along the offensive line. Two senior bowlers again. Guys, we can't stress the depth of this class. This rookie offensive line class just you know, really, really impressive from what we've seen over the years. The Minnesota Vikings going round one with Garrett Bradbury, the center. That's an absolute just beastly stud. I mean, we got to say one of the very, maybe not a Ryan Kelly, but one of the very top centers we've ever scouted or evaluated live, or at least speaking for myself, I don't mind going out on that limb. And then they circled back mid round and picked up Drew Samia out of OU, who in my opinion, had a fantastic week at the senior bowl, big, strong guy who can move pretty well. I really like what the Vikings did along the interior of the offensive line here, Alex. And I love that with a Dalvin cook, yeah, Gary Kubiak, a uh, zone run scheme. And I know, uh, I know, um, some of the other players along the Vikings offensive line leave something to be desired though. No, yeah, they do. It's and it's like we'll have to figure out whether Drew Samia comes in here. And we update this thing as we get if Drew Samia gets into one of the starting spots for either Pat Elf I mean, it's gotta be for Pat Elfline. He was absolutely brutal last year at the left guard. Maybe he could slide in there next to a Riley Reef, then you have Garrett Bradbury, Drew Samia. I think that that would raise the let just let you see where it would raise the grade to. Do do we just put Drew Samia at the standard, like for a stud rookie. That did they take him in the third or fourth round? I believe it was round four, but okay. Well, so I thought they got real value there. Okay, so for a stud rookie that's taken in the third or fourth round, I give these guys like a three point nine. So let's see if I gave him a three. Good, did that. That would move them up from the twenty seventh ranked offensive line to the twenty eighth ranked offensive line. Um, so or I'm 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 sorry. It would move to the twenty. Fifth ranked offensive line from the twenty seventh ranked offensive line, so still kind of a bottom beater there. My question is this: Do you think Garrett Bradbury, as far as his ranking, should be? Um, uh, do you think his ranking should be as high as? Um, well, should it be higher than Eric McCoy? Should it, you think it should be higher than Eric McCoy, the, the rookie out of? Uh, the rookie out of Texas A&M, right? That's going to likely to start for the Saints. Another guy I really like, yes, but I mean significantly higher. Significantly? I mean, we won't be we won't be surprised if Garrett if Garrett Bradbury turns into a Travis Frederick, 
type player. I know that's a big thing to go out and say, and we can't project that until we see it. But I certainly won't be surprised. Should he be ranked as high as, say, um, like Ryan Kelly? Can't go there yet, but boy, do I believe he's headed. So basically, if I have Ryan Kelly to 5.1 and I have right now Garrett Bradbury to 4.3, do you think that there should I should put Garrett Bradbury more like a 4.5 or something? That would put him about where the Patriots center David Andrews is. I like him ahead of Weston Richburg, um, just barely ahead of him. I mean, he's a better prospect than Weston Richburg, and Richburg's been a good player, right? I mean, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's, I think he's been good. And you look at the backs that he's blocked for and everything like that. But if you look at the number of hurries and stuff, um, there have been a, there have been some chinks in, 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 in that armor. I think, you know, I'm not sure. It's, I'm not, sure, you know, it's there've been a couple. I think that there's some things you could point out to be a little bit disappointed in. So, all right, so I'll say he's a 4.5, and that moves them up just one spot automatically for the next update. Um, and then we'll see about Drew Samia, because if we do that, it, like, let's just see if I got Drew Samia, give him a 3.9. See, that moves them up to 24th best, which is Boy, just that feels up. about right. That, I think that's where this unit's headed. It feels about right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a unit that desperately needed to improve from last year, but I, I project that they did make the proper improvements and they have a little bit of upside across this line now in that scheme with that type of runner. So don't want to go bananas on it, but something to keep an eye on. Uh, love the offensive line tool that Alex has up for the pro subscribers over at Ross watch. Alex, you mentioned Eric McCoy out of A&M, one of our favorites again from the senior bowl, a good interior offensive lineman. There were three NFL teams that already had good offensive lines last year that circled back in this year's NFL draft and doubled down. And this is for three very fantasy relevant offenses. The Saints uh, took a dip with Eric McCoy there out of AM. Uh, the Green Bay Packers well, uh, they, draft. Well they, well, they had to because they lost Max Unger, right? So it's not like they just dipped in and added on. They dipped in to completely replace. Now, how do you feel about that? Good replacement for Unger? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a he's a great prospect. And the other thing is, you know, coming in, so many people don't realize that you know such an important part of playing center is that you have to you have to call the you have to call the the you have to call the coverages, right? You have to call you know you have to identify the mic. You have to you have to number the you know number the players. The mic they always assign him a zero, and you have to you have to block your numbers, and it's just like. The uh, whenever you see a whenever you see a center walking up to the line of scrimmage with a football and you see him kind of point at somebody and look at everybody like that, what he's what he's doing is he's establishing the mic. He's establishing the zero on the defense. So, you know, you in the offensive line, you count out from that guy. You know, if you got the one, you just count out and you block your numbers. And that, that's how things go. And certainly it's a lot different. You know, that's in the run game, but you also have to establish the mic and pass protection to be able to understand your coverages and things like that. Drew Brees is one of the only quarterbacks in the National Football League that does that at the line of scrimmage for the center. And so Eric McCoy is not going to have to – he's not going to have his head swing with that bullshit. He's just going to need to get it, get it right and execute his assignment, which is going to be a big deal for him. So I think that, uh, I think that it's going to be fine. I think it's a great place for a really good center prospect to go to get a few years there with Drew Brees before he rides off into the sunset. But, I mean, it, it wasn't like they just dipped into the college pool to add on to an already great group. They, they, they did lose their center, and they, and they needed to, re, to re, replace him. 
Alex, the Green Bay Packers added Elton Jenkins pretty early in the draft. How did you feel about that acquisition? Well, I love El- I, I love El- Elton Jenkins, and my only question is where exactly he slides in. Probably since we're going to be doing an update from this, um, an update here with the Garrett Bradbury stuff. I'm just going to look in there and see if he's starting because they're like the Green Bay Packers already already moved up, but like. Look, Lane Taylor at the left guard. You're not going to get him in over because Elton Jenkins could play center or either of the guards, right? So the only place I could see him slotting in would be at the right guard over Billy Turner. If he was going to slot in there, I would give him a. We talked about those grades earlier. What would you, if we're giving Garrett Bradbury a 4.5? What do you give Jenkins a 4.2, 4.3? Just, just spit probably a 4.2. So that would move them up one spot up from their current spot at number nine um, up to number eight. It would actually move them up ahead of the New Orleans Saints if we get the shit. God damn it. Okay. I don't want to mess this up doing these hypotheticals and lose the actual numbers. All right. So, yeah. So I will look into that. I'll see what's happening at the right guard because I think that's where he would probably slot in. But I don't know for sure that that, that – He's, he's running with the ones yet. That's why this thing's going to change a little bit through training camp. One of the many things that's going to change, the wide receiver coverage tool, the wide receiver versus cornerback, uh, cumulative matchup rankings for the top 55 ADP, all these, you know, as we find out, guys might be starting that aren't the dudes that we projected. All these tools change and the rankings could change. So make sure that you're always using the most recent update for any of the given tools. Alex, then there's the Atlanta Falcons who really double-dipped early in the draft. I mean, this looks like it was a top-10 offensive line last year that's headed towards being a top-three to top-five offensive line, if not this year, uh, very, very soon. They added Chris Lindstrom out of BC, and then my guy Caleb McGarry, or is he out of Washington, uh, guy that, a All player right, so that the, reminds me very much of, of uh, Kyle Long there. Uh, the Falcons, I mean, this is, uh, you got to think for, for their dynasty, you know, futures. I mean, you love this for all things Falcons. Do you, uh, I, I mean, well, first of all, you have to remember that they're losing a- Andy Levitre, right? And that's a big deal. Um, whenever you look at these two guys, like, because I actually had the, you say top three. I mean, I had them falling from the fifth best last season to the seventh best this season. And that's with me even elevating Jake Matthews finally to the elite tier of the left tackles. I think he belongs up there with the, with the, you know, with the Teron Armsteads, the David Bakhtiaris, the Staley's, you know, the Tyron Smith, the Jason Peters, the Trent Williams, you know, those, those guys, I, I, I really do think that he, he belongs up in that tier. Now he's certainly paid like that. So even with that, I have them falling. Like, let me ask you. So with, with, um, with with Lindstrom, I have him as a four point two in the at, over at right guard, and if we're Caleb McGarry at the right tackle, I have him as a four. Do you think he's better than a four? And no, and I a think four those grades just, are those grades are perfect. Okay, I mean you have those exactly right. That's exactly the grades that I would give both of those players. So, look, other teams improved as well. And here's the thing: I think the conservative estimate is that the Falcons have a top five to ten offensive line in the league, which is exactly where you have them. And what I'm telling our subscribers and our listeners is that look at roster watch. We're always ahead of the curve. And this Falcons offensive line unit is headed towards top three to five territory, if not this year in the coming year. So it's, you know, it's good news for all the skill players this season, especially for a quarterback like Matt Ryan, who 
is, you know, his mobility is maybe diminishing a little bit. So look, we, we like when we're splitting the hairs, we like the good fantasy players on the good teams that have uh, the good off offensive lines. A few more here, Alex, very impressed that the uh, Denver Broncos added kind of a hometown kid and Dalton Reis- Dalton Reisner out of uh, K state, a tackle guard versatility. The player I actually thought was the best player at the entire senior bowl out of a hundred standout seniors there in mobile uh, this year. Uh, you see Dalton Reisner having an impact on the Broncos and how's that line shaping up for all these young fantasy players that they've got sprinkled out there amongst that offense. Yeah. Well, and then you also have to remember, they also added, uh, Juwan James, another former all senior bowler for roster watch, I believe second or third annual all senior bowl team, Juwan James out of Tennessee. Do you, do you remember him played for the dolphins for whatever the last four? I do. I do. Um, Good player. Good player. So here's the problem. Garrett Bowles sucked last year. And they what lost happened to him at Forest Lamp? Were those just two of the lost picks? I think from where the same draft. I don't know. Why do I put I those? Guys no, I think for, I think Forest Lamp was the year. I think Forest I Lamp put might those have the guys in the same damn boat, man. For, because because Bowles was from Dan Feeney's class, and Dan Feeney's been 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 bad. By the by the way, I feel bad to say it, but a little undersized. A little undersized. He's not a natural center. Yeah, he's been maybe a bit of a tweener. Um. Yes. Yeah, so, but anyway, so Bowles has been bad, but I think that he still has the pedigree to where you have to consider him, you know, at least a frontline starter. They have Ronald. It looks like Ronald Leary at the left guard. Um, brought in Connor McGovern to at the center, and yeah, Reisner. I mean, Juwan James. They they moved up a few spots, but they're still only like around like the twenty to you know twenty second. It's a lot better than they kind of had been. They've done a lot to address that offensive line over the course of the last two to three drafts, and they've gone from being a complete bottom feeder to being one that's at least vying for middling status, right? I mean, 20th or so in the league, you're starting to be about middle of the road, and um, you know you worry that they lost their offensive line coach, Coach Kugler, down to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they're going to have some, going to have some, uh, you know, some residual effects from that, is from a continuity perspective. And let me see with the continuity grades here and everything. Did I even do any of that stuff with these assholes? Let's see. Um, yeah, so for the continu, uh, the um, oh, but do, oh, but do you know what it is? Why did I give them a hundred and four percent for the offensive line coach? Who is the offensive line coach for the Broncos, and why did I give him such an outstanding Mike Munchak? So they have Munchak now. So that's what, like if these guys are getting coached up by Mike Munchak, that makes a big difference, and that is baked in to the sheet because I went through and uh, established who every offensive line coach was, established the level of continuity on the offensive line, and established the run to pass ratio, and gave uh, percentages on those, and so they got 104 percent. Uh, there in the column for the offensive line coach that is the second best offensive line coach um, by these metrics in the entire football national football league behind um, Dante Scarnecchia for the New England Patriots Alex before you get to what the Bills and Dolphins did or attempted to do to address their glaring needs across the offensive line last two last little tidbits of news and notes here as it pertains to this discussion Looks like Isaiah Wynn of the New England Patriots is headed 
uh, he's on schedule and is on trajectory to be good to go for the season. I mean, that was a player that was a first round pick last year. If he's healthy, it's like as adding long as we're a- talking about these grades. What off the top of your head? What what would his grade be? Because I had a lot of trouble with it. I want to feel. I want to see if I'm dialed in. Well, pre-injury, I would have had Isaiah win pretty close to a four-five, maybe a four-four, four-four, maybe. I have him at four-five. You think that's reasonable? Coming off the injury, I might have him at a at a four-three. Four-three? No, dude, it's Isaiah win. I'll go four-four. And that doesn't even change their ranking, so that's fine. But big ad for the Patriots, so that dude, is a Isaiah Wynn's so sick, dude. He's a with versatility, more, he, yeah, versatility, I mean, tackle guard versatility. Right. So which which isn't all which which isn't always great if you're if you're playing tackle and you have versatility to bump into guard. It's great if you're playing guard and you have the added value to where you can maybe bump out to tackle. But yeah, I get it. A little bit of concerns about his length of his arms there, and coming off the injury, yeah. a player we really like, nonetheless. A player the Patriots invested a round one pick on, didn't get to utilize him at all last year. They get to insert him into the lineup this year. It should be a positive for that unit. And then, of course, Jonah Williams, a high draft pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, another team that has a struggling offensive line. Uh, He's been injured and appears lost for his uh, rookie season. So those are two very relevant pieces of uh, news as it pertains to all the fantasy players on both the Patriots and the Bengals. Uh, Alex, any other thoughts there on the Bills or the Dolphins, who I know you mentioned were two of the other teams that had you know major needs across the offensive line? The Bills and Dolphins are both bottom three offensive lines in the league. If you want to talk about bottom five offenses in the league, the Cincinnati Bengals are right there in that category. They're just, I mean, they really, really needed Jonah Williams to, to, to sharpen that thing up. You know what I noticed, man? I get more fired up for these podcasts the louder I turn my headphones up. The louder you hear Alex cackling and yelling in my ears, the more excited I get for fantasy football. 